All right, that's Britain. I'm Rick. Welcome in. Glad you're here. Episode 27. And we are getting up there. So if you can, before we start, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the podcast. And, you know, just you, watch our shit. You know, don't, don't, don't be a lame. Just watch our stuff. All right, so we have a lot to get to. Very, very busy weekend in the world of boxing. Most notably... Anthony Joshua loses to Alexander Usyk. It is the second time that he has lost to Alexander Usyk. It is his third loss in the sport of boxing. We will get to what is next for both fighters. But first, the scorecards, I truly believe, uh, one of the scorecards, excuse me, was not indicative of what we saw. Uh, They were 113-115 in favor of Joshua. Then 116, 112, 115, 113 in favor of Alexander Usyk. He retains the WBA, IBF, and WBO. Here's what he said after the fight via The Athletic. I devote this victory to my country, my family, my team, and to the military defending the country. This is already history. Many generations are going to watch this fight, especially the round when someone tried to beat me hard. But I turned it in a different way. My assumption, Britain, is he's focusing on round nine, which is when it felt like Anthony Joshua really had his best chance in order to beat Alexander Usyk. He does not. And thus... Usyk now eyes, potentially, again, we'll get into it momentarily, a mega fight with Tyson Fury. First, thoughts on Joshua losing once again. Um, listen, he came he came with a better game plan, better strategy, um, and a better output than he, than he displayed in the first fight. So I got to give him kudos for that. For sure. Um, it's widely known in the sport of boxing that, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say that Anthony Joshua has a, has a, uh, has a fragile mental mentality, but he's definitely heavily impacted by the stress that, you know, that he bears by being one of the more uh, readily known boxers of his country. Um, And for him to rededicate himself after a second loss and really come, come, it looked like he was prepared to win. It Mm -hmm. looked like he was mentally in the zone. Like he really gave it his all. And in the first, he was in the zone. He was in, <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> we're, not, we're, we're not getting paid by the zone yet. But um, yeah, like he was able to take himself to a place that was necessary and indicative of a winner. And so I, I, I first want to applaud him for that. Hmm? You know, up until he was not in the fight, he was in the fight. You know, uh, regardless of what some media writers want to say, some people want to, you know, commentate oh, and say, he he had a strategy he made some necessary changes and when the tough got when the tough got going when the going got tough for him early on it seemed like no i need to take the play back because this is where i fell short last time and it wasn't until you know again to that faithful 10th round where he was completely obliterated mm-hmm. that i felt like he was there he was he was neck and neck with Usyk, right? Like maybe not in terms of scorecards and points, but mentally he was there. He was checked into the fight until that point. I agree. What headlines did you see? I'm curious. You said you um, saw writers, you know, talking that ish. What what did you see and what didn't you like? Yeah, so I listened to I listened to uh, 
Chris Mannix podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we we love his his uh, his boxing scoring and his his uh, his analysis. He felt like, for the most part, Anthony Joshua was getting obliterated the entire fight. He didn't really feel like Anthony Joshua came to, to play. He felt like Anthony Joshua did some good stuff, but you know, not really enough to win. Right? He said it looked similar to the first fight, except for Joshua uh, gave a little little bit more effort. Um, and I think that that is a gross uh, underestimation and display of Anthony Joshua's um, skill set and, 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 and how he showed up for the fight. I really thought that, you know, again, he looked different. He had a better game plan. He actually had a strategy, right? It wasn't the best strategy, um, but he had a strategy. He uh, scored some very heavy blows to the body, which set up some some heavy uh, headshots later down the fight. And in the ninth round, it looked like he was close to being, you know, a three-time heavyweight champion. So um, I don't know what he saw. And then I listened to another, I listened to a British native uh, podcast, and obviously they're praising AJ. And, um, you know, I just, I felt somewhere in between, right, where, you know, it was up into that tenth round where he was kind of taken out of the fight. Well, here, here's what I'll say, um, and I, I need to listen to the full uh, episode in order to make an assessment. But what I will say is, I saw the similarities as well. I don't know what exactly Mannix was mentioning, but I felt like it was starting out eerily similar to what I saw in the first fight. Even though Robert Garcia, Anthony Joshua's newly minted trainer for this fight, said that he was winning the first three, maybe four rounds. Obviously, that was wrong. I had Alexander Usyk, much uh, akin to the first fight, winning three of the four. So I don't agree with that, but I agree with that over the first four rounds, it was very, very similar to what we saw in the first fight. I agree with you that until round 10, AJ was in it, though I felt like he was losing. I felt like the 116-112 scorecard was more indicative of what we saw. I don't know what Mannix's final scorecard was because I simply don't remember. Um, But I don't think he had it as like a total blowout, did he? Like he didn't have Alexander Usyk winning like 10 of 12, did he? No, I I, I don't remember that. Oh, no, I'm just asking because he said Usyk won in a blowout. Like, how much of a blowout are we talking about here? Yeah, I think that it was just his his post-fight analysis, right? And and, and it, he literally did a podcast immediately after the fight with Chris Algieri and one other gentleman. I can't recall his name. But, you know, in, the, in, the, 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 in their coverage, they kind of made it seem like Anthony Joshua was fighting the same fight. You know, they said it looked oh, just like that we, at all. It, I don't agree. I didn't agree with that, you know, and so it was really hard for me to track with what, what they were saying. And then the British native podcast. You know, what I saw in the difference was. And look, we, we covered this when we had our watch party on Twitch and TikTok, but what I saw was a little bit more hunger. What I will say is I personally despise unless it is so blatant calling out an athlete, specifically a fighter, whether it's in the UFC or MMA, saying that they didn't give effort. Mm. 
I do not like it. I think the only time you could say an athlete gave zero effort was when Nonito Donaire took on Omar Narvaez. Mm. And I believe I believe that was uh what's the hall? Radio City Musical. Where it was so clear there was no effort. Maybe it was Madison Square Garden. I don't know. It was one of the two. I know it was in New York. That's when a guy clearly just wanted to go 12 rounds, collect the check, and get out of there. To question someone's efforts in that style of a fight is ludicrous to me. It's defaming, and, and not legally, of course. It's defaming their character. It's deteriorating the work they put in. It's deteriorating their mindset that, you know what? I just didn't feel like showing up today, and I just went in there and got out and came out somewhat unscathed. And that, I believe, plays into what happened post-fight with AJ. Mm. I said it previously. I think that was the tipping point of frustration, hearing it over and over and over again, whether domestically or internationally, about how he just ain't that guy. He just ain't that dude. He's second best to another one in the UK, in Tyson Fury. He is potentially third best to others. He just ain't that guy. And, um, well, he is third best, obviously, with Usyk and Fury. But they they chop him down mm -hmm. so much. And it makes me root for him more. And although I did not like, and I do believe that he somewhat took away Usyk's shine, because we didn't even really hear from Usyk. It was all focused on AJ. Every news story was about AJ, his outbursts, what he did, blah, blah, blah. I truly believe that that was every single person who doubted AJ, unfortunately, that coming true because he didn't get a win over Alexander Usyk. And him being overtly frustrated with hearing it, seeing it, and maybe to some degree not being able to block it out. Mm -hmm. That's how I perceive it. Yeah, the, listen, kudos to the performance. I'm not, I agree with you. I'm not going to knock his performance. Again, I can't reiterate this enough. Boxing is the most mental sport that there is. It's you against another man. It's a test of skill. It's a test of will. It's a test of endurance. It's a test of everything that, you know, you put into a training camp. If you've been cutting corners, it's going to show up. If you got any demons, it's going to show up at some point in a boxing match, right? Mm -hmm. Especially one with somebody as um, skillful as Alexander Usyk. So big shout out to AJ for coming back from the loss, wanting to go right back to, right, exercise that demon, so to speak, and, and try and regain his belts back. That being said, to your point, the outburst at the end was bizarre. It was out of place, it was inappropriate, but you can trace it back to all of the mental pressure and the mental stress and the kind of the things that I had, you know, uh, mentioned and was leaning, you know, into and trying to signal without signaling. He has, he, you know, he has a, again, like, I don't know how to describe it because I, I, I can't call a man who gets in the ring and fights for a living, like weak mentally. Right. Right. Like yeah. you, 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 you know, for people who have never boxed before, who have never sparred before, you don't understand how how much uh, fortitude it takes to get in the ring and fight another person. Sometimes even to 
get tired and know that you're tired when you're fighting somebody else, like your brain goes to a very deep, dark place and you start telling yourself stuff that you probably thought you would never, ever tell yourself. So, you know, I don't know how to define his mentality, but we did see some cracks and some chinks in the armor. And he kind of alluded to that in the post fight uh, press conference with Eddie, you know, where he shared tears and, you know, somebody asked him, are you proud of yourself? Because he did have a lot to be proud of with his performance, but you juxtapose that with the outburst and he still lost and the last three rounds, which are the championship rounds. He, he kind of got swept mm-hmm. and then he was having outbursts here and there. He's throwing the belts around. It's a lot to be proud of, but then at the same time, it's a lot to not be proud of. And there's a lot of expectation for somebody like Anthony Joshua, you know, like, he's he's the man over there in the uk so it's like you kind of gotta you have to show up and he's not been able to show up on three different occasions now but twice to the same person right and i think that goes into how it's okay to just admit that he can't beat this guy yeah it doesn't make him a porous competitor it doesn't make him bad at his sport He's in the top tier. Like, I, I remember different sport, obviously, but I, I remember writing a, uh, a script when I was doing, uh, as I'm doing stuff for the Turks. And one of them was, you don't understand how good these NBA players are. Mm-hmm. Like, there are 337 million people, right, in the country, and 500 play professional basketball in the NBA. Now, think about how many top-tier boxers there are in the world. In the world. And Anthony Joshua is one of them. I'm just trying to, like, share some perspective here for everyone that wants to crush this guy and crush his character. He is one of the best of this generation in that division. He provided us with some highs. Unfortunately, he had two lows. But it is okay to say, you know what? That guy is my Achilles. Because he's also one of the greatest of this generation. So the effort point, the not good enough point, it's fine to just call a spade a spade and say, this guy's got my number and I can't beat him. I think that's more than acceptable. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, punch stats. Alexander Usyk landed forty-two percent to AJ's thirty-six percent. Mm. Uh, the total thrown—it it is a wide number. Alexander Usyk threw seven hundred and twelve. Anthony Joshua threw four hundred and ninety-two. Uh. Alexander Usyk had about 85 more jabs thrown. And the power punches thrown, Alexander Usyk 315 to AJ's 280. I suppose I must ask for everyone that's listening, that's courtesy of CompuBox. I suppose I should just ask, what did you like from AJ in the fight? What what was the biggest difference you saw? Uh, There was a lot of differences. There was a lot of differences, starting with his um starting with the um the jab if you notice in the first fight he's pawing with the jab 
He didn't seem like he was committed to throwing it. And that non-commitment to the jab made it really easy for a smaller, agile fighter who's looking for angles to be able to, and a southpaw, to be able to dip his head off to the weak side of AJ and land that straight left hand all night. He didn't get hit with as many of those punches Mm -hmm. because he was committed to landing that jab. The second thing I liked is he was taking the angle away from uh, Usyk. There were certain points in the fight where Usyk was trying to cut that angle and get AJ to turn into a shot, and AJ would either get low with him to take the angle away, or he just step out of boxing range, which made Usyk have to reset. These are real tactics that you can tell AJ was well read. He was prepared for that pivot. As we are in the first fight, he's getting caught with that straight left hand over the lazy jab, and he's having to turn and walking right into a shot. That's happening all day long in the last fight. The the, the next thing I like is the commitment to the body, right? He he he, and and I don't know if people caught this because it, it wasn't publicized as as much as it should have been. But AJ walked up to him at the final um, weigh in at the weigh in rather. And he says, how's your body shot? I heard you got hurt in sparring in camp and expected to get a, you know, some type of reaction out of Usyk. Usyk didn't respond because he's the fucking Terminator. (laughs) But I like that attitude. Number one, you letting them know I'm going to the body. There's nothing you can do about it. Because here's the thing. There is nothing that Usyk could do to stop AJ if AJ wanted to do it. Right. Like he's too physically big. You can't run from him all night. And AJ kind of proved that in this fight. He went to the body. He hurt Usyk. And in that ninth round, it looked like it was close to being over. Usyk, who's known for using lateral movement to get out of the way when he's hurt, was forced and and minimized to just sheer backpedaling, backing up on a straight line, which opened up some headshots for Mm -hmm. AJ. Right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, who knows? If AJ had another 30 seconds, another minute in in that round, maybe he lands something big and puts Usyk down. But that wasn't the story. So... I say all that to say his overall mentality was different. He let him know I'm coming to fight you. He's going to the body. He's landing that jab. He's taking away that angle. He was doing the things that was necessary to win. I think that at not in the ninth round, mm-hmm. he gave his last stance, and that was all that he had. Yes. And as we said previously on our watch party, the fight was essentially decided in 10, 11, and 12 for two of the three judges. Um, I know one judge gave it to AJ, but if AJ closes 10, 11, 12, he wins because of the inverse of a 115, 113 card for Usyk. Lastly, and then we'll move on. I agree with you with the jab and why I was nodding so profusely was because one punch that kept landing in the first fight was Alexander Usyk's right hand over or around AJ's left hand. And he landed it a lot. And I agree with you. When you throw the jab and you don't just paw it out there just to see what your opponent's reaction is, it only worked. Unfortunately, Anthony Joshua loses. Last point, who do you want to see him fight next? And that's Anthony Joshua. We'll talk about Usyk next. Uh, I think AJ needs a... AJ needs a... A break. Except. He does need a break, but he needs an acceptable, an acceptable tune-up slash soft touch. And there are real, no real soft. Well, there there are soft touches, but 
if you look at his resume, he's not had very many soft touches after, you know, a certain point. Um, a name that would be acceptable to me, and I'm not saying that this guy is a soft touch at all. I'm more so saying that he's acceptable is Dillian White. Right. That's still a fight that can sell uh, domestically, maybe even globally, because here in the States, we found out about their first fight and it was it was a barn burner. Mm -hmm. It was a back and forth fight until it wasn't right. AJ got hurt in that fight. That was the first time he got hurt and we had to see him dig deep. Um, Does Dillian White still have it in him? He said he wanted a rematch against Fury. You're going to be AJ. This sets you up for perhaps a rematch with fury but on the other hand if aj beats dillian white i think this sets him up for the winner of a joe joyce joseph parker fight mm-hmm. i agree right with that. Uh, yeah and and you know you 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 walk through a dillian white and then a joseph parker you two people who you have uh previous business with well that fury fight is still there for you if fury comes through uh Usyk. Because people still want to see that fight. Yep. I don't know, man. I feel like Dillian White, if you're talking about a soft touch, granted we don't know how he's going to react because he got knocked the fuck out against Tyson Fury. I feel like that's um <clears throat> that's not the softest of soft touches. No, nah, that's not. like a that's like a bold paintbrush, and I was looking for like a pencil. Um so I don't know. I think I think the Joe Joyce fight is interesting, though that's a little dangerous because you don't know. I think um, someone more like a Otto Valin could be good. Just so, someone, you, you know what I mean? Just like somebody. Really? Something. You think Otto Valin is a soft touch? Who? You remember who what else? he did? You remember what he did to Fury? Yeah, he cut his eye open. Yeah, nearly became and and listen, listen. I just don't know who the name is because all, as we said, all these names, at least even in the top ten, are pretty solid. I'm telling you, I want him to have like a soft opponent to get his confidence back. I'm telling you the name. The name is Dillian White. That's the fight that's going to make sense. That's the fight that Eddie's going to make. It's a domestic fight that's still going to sell well. It's somebody who conceptually AJ can beat. AJ lost two times in a row, but Dillian White just come off just is coming off a knockout. The fight Bad before that, he got knocked out by Pavekin, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So his last three fights, he's coming off of two knockouts. Mm-hmm. This is this is, you know, if I'm Eddie Hearn, I'm trying to do the business. I'm trying to make some money for this client, trying to make some money for another nice. client, make a big domestic fight, and then I can go and make do some good business with my crosstown rival.